here on Just Another Sports Podcast. Welcome in, everyone. Greg Swatek, Josh Smith here with you. And apologies for our uh, sporadic nature o- over this last month, but between the, the holidays and having three football teams play for a state championship. Were you busy or something, Greg? Yeah, I mean, it's just tough to find time to, to get in here with all, with all of our various schedules. It's even tough to find guests sometimes, too, Josh, because once again, we're, 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 we're flying uh, solo, so to speak, uh, here. Um, because uh, we have people out on assignment and stuff like that, and just tough coordinating schedules. Right. So it's not an, it's not an excuse. We, we, we I need, need my one on one time with you, Greg. Yeah, well, clearly uh, it's not an excuse. We need to do a better job, but it's. Uh, I just want to explain that we've had a busy couple of months here, and with everything thrown in, that that's why we've been a little uh, hit or miss yeah. here over this last uh, couple of months. But uh, nonetheless, uh, lots to talk about this week. Uh, we'll, we'll talk some baseball because the winter meetings are going on. And the Washington Nationals, the World Series champions, have been in the news for a couple of reasons uh, in, in the last week. Um, but, we'll, but we'll start our discussion in the fall where we normally do, and that's with the um, NFL. And uh, uh, the Patriots have been in the news for for a couple of reasons this week. Um, and, and I wanted to ask you just your thoughts on the Patriots, Josh. Like, are, are they really all that good? I mean, I, I know we've sort yeah, of we've danced around this discussion before, but... Um, but they lost to the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday, which snapped their long home winning streak. And they yeah. and they just don't really have any weapons on offense. And, and, and their defense is susceptible to definitely the run. But 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 uh, against a good quarterback, too, they're going to give up some big plays as they did to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. So are the Patriots even a threat in, in the AFC? Um, yeah, they are just because they have Brady and they have that defense and they're probably going to play at home. But – your points are all really strong. Like if you watch them, especially you know, if we watch them any, any week, really, like they just there's no explosion factor on that offense. When like when other teams are basically doubling Edelman, which I think is what's what's happening, particularly on crucial downs. You know, James White has become their best offensive player basically, and he's a running back who catches passes. So uh, they – and, like, Antonio Brown's not walking through the door. And right. Josh Gordon's not coming back. And Randy yeah. Moss is not going to show up. Right. And, so, and, and, and Brown and uh, and Gordon are guys that they cut. Yeah. So they, they didn't want him on the team anymore. Right. And this kid that they the, the drafted is, you know, has just gotten into the flow. And Keel Harry, I think his name is, or something right. like and that. Right. Nikhil Harry. Nikhil right. Harry. The, the, the rookie yeah. wide receiver. Yeah. I mean, he's not going to be – he's not going to light the world on fire as a rookie, clearly. So uh, there, there, are, there are red flags, yeah, with, with what's going on there on the field, um, yeah, which is well, strange. I mean, we'll, we'll get into the off-the-field stuff here in yeah. a minute. But, but, I mean, you said they'll probably be at home, but will they? Because now they're only a game in front of the Chiefs. If, if they lose another game or two here – uh, look Kansas at their City, schedule. Kansas City has a tiebreaker, I believe. They have they're on to Cincinnati this week, of course, and, and Brady and and a lot of the players have been joking about that. <laughs> this playing, is when it playing all started, the Bengals. Right? Then they have. What well, didn't it all start back then after they lost to the Chiefs and on, then they on, played on the a, Bengals? On a Monday the same night game, thing? everyone was dying to write the Patriots are done. Yeah, uh, they were dying to write their obituary, as as we as we use the term in uh, journalism here. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're going to beat the Bengals. Then they are Saturday the 21st. They are uh, hosting the Bills, which is going to be tough. Yep. Uh, they think they barely beat them earlier in the season. They did. They hung on to win on the road, yeah. And then they finish out hosting the Dolphins. So they're going to win two more games 
But, but if the, but if the Chiefs if the Chiefs went out and they lose that Bills game, then they will be on the road. Well, they'll be home for the first game, but, right. but then they would either go to Baltimore, who I don't think they have a chance to beat if if, no. if they played, and uh, or can't go to Kansas City, a team they've already lost to. Um, so I yeah, don't I know. Mean, still gonna. I think they're still gonna win a playoff game. Yeah, uh, one probably. Yeah. Well, because they'll probably get the Steelers or they, they. We've talked about this too. The AFC is really a yeah. lousy conference. Like, like who are the who are the real threats? I mean, we're talking about Kansas City, who's improving, but the, but their defense is suspect. The Patriots, like, other than the Ravens, like who could who could really yeah. challenge the Ravens? You have to want to see. Everybody has to want to see the Chiefs and the Ravens again, right? I mean, yeah. if anybody's going to beat the Ravens at this point, it's an offense that can score, that can somehow score like 35 or 40 points against them. Uh, and Mahomes is one of the few guys that can probably get that done at this point in, in that conference. So I think that's what everybody should be crossing their fingers for because that, be, that would be a really exciting game to see. I really – I'm not – I mean, for, after all the years that I've enjoyed watching the Patriots and rooted – like I always have rooted for them in the AFC. Um, I just don't really – I, they're not fun to watch this this year. Right. Like, they just aren't because of the offense and the way that they're winning games. Like they're winning games like seventeen to ten, right. um, you know. And <laughs> I would, but it's hard to it's hard to just it's hard to put a you know a stake in them or whatever you know. Yeah, it is because every time we do, then they rise up and catch fire or whatever and win like yeah. this win eight straight games and then win the Super Bowl. So, but 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 the other thing that needs to be addressed is Tom Brady is he he hasn't hit the wall or fallen off a cliff per se, but he's definitely not the quarterback that he, that he well, once was. But but you have to his offensive line is not as good True. as it always has been. There's so, contributing factors, but sure. but and and the guy's playing at a ridiculously high level for his age, age 42, but he's just not the Tom Brady that it at 25, at 30, even at 35. Yeah. So his his skills have diminished to a to a certain degree, and he's just not able to make all the throws that he used to make. Um, he had a, he had I think the longest run of his career in that Kansas City game. Uh, yeah, it looked like they were going to pull that a, one off. A Seventeen with yard run, but but still, like he's just not able to lift the team like he like he once did. It, it seemed, and, and that's contributing to the to the Patriots. I mean, yeah, we're, we're talking about a struggling team. What are they? Ten and three. Right. So so they have ten wins. But, but the other thing is like their so their offense is not what it used to be and not only so their defense is great right but their defense doesn't it's not like they have these ex, these explosive play it's not like ed reed plays on that defense and it's right. like going to get a pick six it, every it, game it, it's a very good defense you could run on them if you have a good running game uh it's a good pass defense especially they, they put a lot of pressure on on opposing yeah they do and, but my, and my point is it's not well. like they score it's not like they score a pick six every game or they're right. scoring like you know uh, they're turning the. They're forcing tons of turnovers. Uh, they just. They're just a very solid defense, especially in the back, like you're saying, and prevent teams in this day and age right. from throwing it all over the field. I mean, I mean, the whole conversation is premised on will the Patriots win it all again? This is not like are they? I mean, ten and three is a good record. They're going to have yeah. a good season by most people's but definitions. You're right, though. But but all the conversations with them is because they've dominated the league for the last two decades. Is are they going to win it all again? Uh, and, yeah, and I just don't see it. This they're not year. a great ten and three team, they, right? They're not. They're not. And a lot of those early wins were against teams that weren't very good. Um, so they're just not the same team. Um, and perhaps <laughs> maybe that's why they're looking for advantages any way they can get, which <laughs> which included a story this week where how they sent a film crew to the Browns Bengals game last Sunday to allegedly shoot this advanced scout the the guy that's in charge for them for like a documentary uh, or something right 
I want to shoot. They they're, they have this in-house documentary, I guess, they put on their website, highlighting various aspects of the team and what's made them so successful over, over, over all the years. So they're spotlighting this advanced scout who's in charge of going to the the next week's the, opponent the next week's opponent's game and, and compiling all these notes and observations and stuff like that like he's in charge of helping to form the game plan for them for, for the next week's opponent well the Patriots play the Bengals the Bengals played the Browns last week the Patriots had a film crew at the Browns Bengals game last week and apparently they were to get shots of this guy in the press box working they had the camera trained on on the field um, for for a duration of time here that wasn't insignificant and they failed to notify the league. They failed to notify the Bengals that this film crew was here. So here we go again with Bill Belichick. And, and I mean, this has happened before with Spygate, obviously the deflate gate thing was a ridiculous story, but, but it came up. Um, just, I mean, was this truly, um, I'm sure they were, yes, they was, they were cheating, Greg. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But he was doing this on purpose. But but I, and I fully believe that because that's they do that sort of stuff. I think. Right. I, but but every team does something not maybe not so egregious and stupid with taping with videotaping. Like that's just incredibly stupid. Like I can't believe that he you know especially after they had Spygate that he would send you know like he would send a crew and this could happen and, again. And, and like Bel- that is and Belichick of course denies flabbergasting. Saying, he denies that they had anything to do with this film and crew. That's total BS. Right. Well, and, and and here's the thing. Like, I I listen to a lot of Cleveland radio, obviously, because I'm a Browns fan. And these guys are in the in the the radio guys that I listened to in Cleveland were sitting right next to this advanced scout, and they and they said this week that they were like filming the hell out of this guy. Like, yeah. Like they were shooting footage and stuff of him like working, which is called B-roll in in, in TV terms. And they were like shooting. Tons of beef for a guy just sitting there, basically fidgeting yeah. with his computer. Why do you think they were doing that? Notes because they were it, trying to make it look like that's what they right. were there to actually shoot. Yeah. When they weren't, right? Exactly, and, and it makes you wonder too. They're playing the Bengals, one why? of the worst teams. Exactly. In the league. Like, why would you put yourself in that position where you're trying to film signs for the Bengals? So, all right, is this is this just Bill Belichick saying, giving the big middle finger to the league and saying? I'm going to continue to push the envelope and I'm going to continue doing these things that are shady to try to gain an edge and you deal with it. Like what have they done? What have they done to him? Like what did Spygate, what happened with Spygate? What was the pit penalty? They were doctor dra- first round draft picks. Okay. So. That was a and, bit, and, but that was and way fine. after the fact. And, and, and fined. They were right. But, but fines are when NFL teams make $350 million alone based on the collective TV yeah. money then the, the fines uh, slap on the wrist. I would best. I would also say that really a first round draft pick not that big of a deal for the Patriots because quite honestly I mean, they're usually taking thirty second anyway. Right, so it's almost like a second round pick. Yeah. Right. So I mean I just think he's like at this point like I'm above the law. I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to see if the NFL catches me doing it. And if I get caught, I'm just going to lie and say I didn't know what was going on, and I'll deal with whatever piddly little consequences the NFL lays down. Yeah, and I think Belichick personally was fine too. But, again, for a multimillionaire, like a $550,000 fine is not going to really yeah. change his world or, right. or change his behavior at all. So, um, my, my question is to, you, to, is to you about the Browns. Like, What in the hell were the Browns doing credentialing a camera crew to come in why would they do that? Like that's a that's a question I don't think is being asked. Uh, is how wow. much how much fault should lie at the Browns' feet? Like why? 
I just don't understand why they would allow yeah, of, of that course to happen. The, of course, the Browns are involved with the story because only they get caught up in things like this, it seems, yeah. consistently. But, um, well, I guess the Patriots said, hey, we need to shoot this guy actually working at a game. Can we come to your game and, and shoot this guy working in the press box? But um, it, the way the story was presented initially was it was hilarious. It was um, the Patriots were the league is investigating the Patriots filming the Bengals for a documentary. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly <laughs> it's, it's the way like, it came across. It, yes. it, 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 it's like, why would anyone want to watch a documentary yeah. about the Bengals produced, produced by, by the, the Patriots? Patriots. Yeah, so, so it was hilarious the way it first was presented. Like, the, the, yes, the Patriots, the league is investigating the Patriots for filming the Bengals for a documentary. It's like, what are they doing with the Bengals in a documentary? So, well, and that's the other big question is like, really? That he's he's sending a camera crew to get the, the signals for the Bengals. Like, they're going to win that game. I think they could put, uh, you know, Brian Hoyer at quarterback, and they would win the game. Like, right? Yeah, I mean, it's just the whole thing is weird. Um, but <laughs> here we go again. And, and it's what do you think is going to happen? Um, they'll be fine. They'll another slap on the wrist is is coming here. Maybe a mid round draft pick or something like that. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, I agree. I just think it's going to be, and that'll be a joke because because the Patriots admitted we screwed up, but the, it, it had nothing to do with the football operations. All the football people are denying they've seen the tape, had anything to do with this. So they've admitted they screwed up. So the league needs to discipline the organization somehow, and it'll just be, it'll be a slap on the wrist. Next question: guessing. What does this do, if anything, to the legacy? Of Bill Belichick. Well, it's funny, like, Belichick's often presented as being, like, the greatest coach of all time. But the greatest coach of all time is probably Paul Brown, who invented a lot of the things you still see in in, in modern football and a lot of the techniques and stuff like that. He won a championship with with the Browns. Bill Belichick's idol is Paul Brown. Like, he he patterned his, his career after Paul Brown. So Paul, well, Paul, so Paul Brown was a big cheater, too. Right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Paul Brown was filming documentaries in the press, or he was filming op- opposing team signals under the under the auspices that it was a documentary. All right. So you're you're you are casting your vote as for the greatest coach of all time as Paul Brown, not Bill Belichick. Right. Correct. Um, okay. So I'm going to disagree. I, okay. Um, I just disagree because of the like just the way the game has changed and how difficult it is to maintain. In you know, yeah. success, a, a success rate in this day and age, as opposed to back then, right? So to that's an, my main. Argument. Yeah, to answer your question, though, I don't, I don't think it'll change anything. People, yeah, people's opinions of Bill Belichick are already formed. Exactly. If, if, if they think he's a cheater, they think he's a cheater. One hundred percent. And this is not this is not significant enough where like whoa, um, my this like changes completely the way I think of Bill Belichick. So people already have their opinions of Bill Belichick. Most of them, th- most people think of him as being. A, a great head coach, if not the greatest head coach of all time, the, right, right there, maybe the second greatest. Um, he's, he's certainly uh, in that discussion uh, for sure. But I, I don't, th- I don't think it'll do anything because people's opinions are already formed. He's been around long enough. He hasn't won Super Bowls because because of this stuff. He, I mean, like Spygate, like yes, he may have gained a marginal advantage in that, but that's not the reason why they won or lost Super Bowls or have been so good for yeah, so long. That, but that's not that's certainly not what, what most people think outside of, you know. Right. Well, New people just get tired of the Patriots winning yeah. all the time. So they so they Remember look. how great that story was when they won? Remember that? It was freaking unbelievable. 
It was great. It was the year. Remember, it was 2001, right? It was right after the. Yeah, it, it was, was right after 9 11. The Patriots right. won the Super Bowl right. as a huge underdog. Unbelievably great story. Tom Brady, his rise, unbelievably great story. Didn't take long. Like, people right. got sick of them real quick. Right, because they're always there. Yeah. Right? And they've been in the last three Super Bowls alone. They've been in, like, seven or eight straight AFC championship games. I mean, their their run is is ridiculous. Yeah. And we've talked about whether it's the greatest run in sports history, which which it probably is, especially in this modern day and age with free agency and, and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, so, and that was my point earlier. Um, so it's, it's just tougher to keep, keep a team together. So, um, again, I, I just don't see it having a major impact. Did, I, I didn't see the whole uh, – I didn't see the press conference, quote-unquote press conference with Belichick. I'm assuming that – they released their statement, and it was, you know, an admission that they screwed up, right, and that they didn't uh, – What? and Belichick, I guess, then had a press conference and said – I don't did he say anything? And then he was just like, I have no further comment when someone tried to press him further on the issue. No, he, he just said, I have nothing to do with it. Like, this is a team th- – this is like a team yeah. – this has nothing to do with the football side of the team. This yeah. is a business thing produced for the website, and I haven't seen the video. I have no idea what the video crew is doing. I mean, it was complete. Well, it was total denial. Well, my, my question to you as a journalist, if you covered the Patriots, why why even go to his press conferences? Right. They're, they're, they're a waste of time. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess you have to just to see if he by chance says something. But good Lord, like it is a giant waste of time. He never says anything of substance. I mean, most of the time that I've seen his press conferences, there isn't a there isn't a line he says that I would put in one of my stories. Like if I was a writer, right? I mean, he just says he says nothing. You're, I guess, you're sort of just obligated yeah. to go just in case he does, because he'll you you won't go the one time and then and, and then, then he'll say happen, and then he'll right. say something. So, but yeah, again, this is Belichick. He's not a mumble mouth guy. They they can't speak. I right. Mean, he's extremely intelligent, smart. Yeah, and these these NFL 100 shows, right? With Collinsworth and right, and Rich I haven't watched them, right. but I guarantee you, he comes off with a lot of personality. Right. He's just he's not again. Fan. Again, he's not just going to play this dog. He's forced to do all this media stuff, yeah. and he's not going to do. He's not going to go along with something he's being forced to yeah. do, and, and that's why he comes across this way in, in press conferences. The guy wouldn't be so successful if he if he couldn't speak if, if he just mumbled his way through life. So that's not who he really is. But but yes, uh, um, he it, it's sort of a waste of time uh, to to <clears throat> go to his media yeah. availability after games. There was one other thing I wanted to ask you about, and that, so, so obviously this year we don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl, right? You and I are both in agreement. I, I don't see anyone beating the Ravens, right? In the, in the certainly the, not in the AFC, AFC right? Um, so Brady's going to come back next year. They'll probably have most of their key cogs back on the defense and. Edelman will be there, and James White will be there, and Sony Michelle. Uh, there's a there's a wide receiver um, out there who's making who's squawking a little bit about not wanting to be on his current team, and he's pretty yeah. talented. Yeah. Well, this I, I was going to take this on too. Like, this is. Do you think he ends up a Patriot? Is my question. No, because the Brown he's on a pretty he's on a. He's got like three or four years left on his contract. He's paying. He's getting market value for his skill level and who he is. Yeah, but isn't isn't Beckham gonna bitch his way out of Cleveland? Well, he might. Like, he might. Like he Antonio might, Brown he might. Did. This, this could this could blow up. But but he he hasn't. This is all media 
narrative so far. Like the, not, he's said nothing in the press. He's done nothing right. on the sideline during a game to suggest that he hates it in Cleveland and, and, and wants out of Cleveland. Now the reporting this week from Jay Glazer and Charles Rob of Fox and Charles Robinson of Yahoo is that he's been going up to guys before games saying, "Come get me, get me out of here," blah 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 blah. But um, and and that maybe that happened, and, and maybe that's indication that yes, he doesn't want to be in Cleveland. But he's never said that or acted out. I mean, he's been he's been a pretty solid teammate. Mm-hmm. The thing I didn't like about him is he skipped the whole offseason program, and that's showing up because there's no he's not in the rhythm of the offense at, at all. Yeah, and, he's, and, he's not he's not having a very good season. And, and that right, and that stems from that. Now he's hurt too. He's, he's clearly hurt. And the, the reporting last week was he has a sports hernia and, and needs offseason surgeries. He's, he's sort of powering his way through it, so he's clearly not 100 percent on top of all this stuff. But the the media perception from the start has been always oh, a New York, L.A. Paris, London, all the worldwide guy. He's not going to be happy in piddly old Cleveland. And, and this sort of these antics, like that's been what people have been running with that. He's not happy in Cleveland. The Browns have struggled. So that's fed into that. So until I hear Odo Beckham say it or mm-hmm. demand a trade or, or act, or out, or in act some, out on the side fashion, like I'm not totally buying that he's not going to be a Brown next year. Okay. So, so I would say he. I don't think the Browns want to trade him. Um, you have to replace him if if it, like you can subtract him. But but who mm-hmm. are you adding? They're already going to lose a Rashad, a Rashad Higgins, who's their third receiver. So do you want to have to replace two receivers on top of needing to rebuild your offensive line? So right right now, I would say the odds are high that he'll be back in Cleveland okay. next year. But but something could change clearly quickly. Right. So. Um, the Saints and the 49ers played uh, over the weekend. Um, do you think those are the next – it was a great game. The the, uh, the 49ers pulled it out. Uh, your, your boy Sean Payton has been taking a lot of flack uh, because he went for a two-point conversion and they missed in the first quarter, and people have been questioning that decision all week long. Uh, there was a story out today, like uh, Sean Payton was at the store or whatever, and uh, the butcher in the deli of this grocery store was giving him – a hard, a good, a good nature, but he was giving him a hard yeah. time about it. And Payton's like, "Why don't you worry about what what you're doing, buddy? You're like, worry about me, your leave, meat or leave, something." Leave, yeah, like, why don't you <laughs> your your steaks aren't looking too good? Why don't you worry about your meat? Yeah. So. Uh, do I think those there are two teams that are going to be the NFC Championship I mean, game? Yeah. I'm, do, are those the next two best teams in the league? Is my question. <clears throat> uh, those are the only two teams that could beat the Ravens. So that's the answer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would say like I can't see another I, like. The NFC East is a joke. Um, I can't see an NFC North team beating the Ravens, the no. pa- the, pa- the Packers. So no, that's I completely the, the, agree with the, that. The Seahawks have already lost to the Ravens at home. So um, I I I might give Seattle a chance just because they have Russell Wilson, but really they they kind of laid an egg last week. Uh, they, they were they were sort of well. due for that though. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I would agree with that. Uh, those are the next two, two best teams in the NFL after the Ravens, and then. I, I, like I said, I think the Chiefs have a. They would have a chance at beating the Ravens. I do. I do think that's that's they, true. They could score points. They have firepower. Right. right. Uh, so so that that would keep them in the game. Can, can they stop the Ravens' offense? That was the question. Right. It would have to be one of those, almost like one of those Shootout. those Rams Chiefs games from last year where they combined for a hundred points or something. Um. So yeah, I I mean that that was a thrilling game. Uh, and shocking to me. Uh, because San Francisco had been so so stout on defense, and 
right. gave up whatever it was. 40, 46 points. And a bunch right. of them in the first half. It was like it was his track meet. So, but, I mean, that I, that really showed me a little something about the, the Niners that I I didn't think really they had in them. And that was they were, they were they were able to win a shootout. Yeah, because their offense had been sort of yeah hit, they, hit or hit or miss all season. Right, so. but they do have some players and that scheme. Like and Alan Etzler's been in here and he's a big Niners fan and he's talked about that. They run that Shanahan scheme, you know, better than anybody because it's Shanahan. Uh, you know, his son's the coach, and they have Kittle, who's just he's, really he's a great the, player. He's become the best tight end in the league. Yeah, and so. he's he's probably one of the top five players, regardless of position in the NFL. And they have a stable of nice running backs, and they have some nice pieces at receiver. And that system really insulates <clears throat> the quarterback. So Garoppolo, and, and I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it with my team because the Vikings run a Shanahan offense now. They run the Gary Kubiak as their as an offensive consultant there, <clears throat> and it, it it really makes the quarterback's job easy, uh, as easy as as that position can probably be in the NFL. So. Um, yeah, I was kind of I was kind of shocked by that game and was thrilled to watch. I, I did turn it on at the end and I saw the end of it and was you know very happy because anytime right. Sean Payton loses, it kind of makes my weekend regardless of what right. happens to my team. Yeah, I mean your boys were sitting pretty in terms of the playoffs, but now all of a sudden, the, yeah, the, the, the Rams. Have, 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 yeah, have, I'm not are encouraged. Playing, are playing better. The Bears are are playing better all of a sudden. So yeah, so, so it seemed like they were a lock. Uh, the top six in the NFC seemed very clear cut. The Vikings are still, in my opinion, going to going to. They get should in because I, they, cause they're to me they're better than the, both the Bears and the Rams. I, I agree but. with that, but they but they have to win these crucial games, and they they are not good at doing that. Right. So so they I mean they get what, what, what's their remaining schedule? They have they travel to San Diego, which is no gimmick because San Diego is a talented team and they play close games. <clears throat> so they're at San Diego on Sunday. Then they host uh, the Packers, which is no gimmick because. The, because of Aaron Rodgers being Aaron Rodgers, they should have won the damn game earlier in the season in Green Bay, but we won't we won't get into that. And then they then they host the Bears, and the Bears Trubisky and the Bears have had their number for two years, which makes no sense, but um, they have. And until until Kirk Cousins, you know, figures out a way to um, to beat that Bears defense. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm just not going to trust, I, I'm not going to trust. And, and the rap on cousins is he doesn't play well in big games. Yeah. So. And so it's like, that's, they're going to get three big games in a row right here because, you know, they, they had a chance to win in Kansas city and they didn't do it. They had a chance to win in green Bay and they didn't do it. They had a chance to win in Seattle and they didn't do it. You know, these green Bay is winning those games, you know, they're, they're pulling out the games, the, the, these close games at the end. Um, when they have to, because they have this, they have they have the quarterback that can do it, and it's uh, and and I just I have a hard time seeing them putting it together and even wrapping up, like because like I, I said to you in the text the other day, like the Rams and the Bears were bad, they were stinking it up for like three or four weeks, and now all of a sudden they're both juggernauts. I, I was surprised the Rams beat the Seahawks. Yeah, like they did. So so I'm I'm not encouraged by just the way things are shaping up. Right, but. Th- you put the Vikings in the playoffs. Who are they going to play? Uh, they'll play the. They will uh, probably play, play the, their division. Their whoever, if they don't win the right. division, they'll play the Packers. Um, right. Probably in, in, in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. If they can sneak up to the five seed, they'll get whoever wins uh, the East, right? R- right, and 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 they sh- would. It's going to be. You would think. Would, would think it would be Dallas, right? Right, because because eight nine nine wins, I think, would definitely win that division. Eight yeah. maybe, and and or you could harken back to the Marshawn Lynch Seahawks days, where seven and nine. Well, one, 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 the it NFC still just doesn't year. make sense yeah. to me that the league, that that league doesn't doesn't change the, sh- the the format of the playoffs. Yeah. 
I mean, some of these division winners just they should they should it, it should they go don't belong record. in the playoffs. If you're a division champ, you're in the playoffs. So it really wouldn't be changing that much. When your division, you're in the playoffs. But if you don't have the better record than the team you're scheduled to face, then sorry, you don't get, you don't get the home game. Right. So all, all, you're not denying the team a playoff spot. You're just denying them home field advantage. Right. Because it's ridiculous that the Seahawks or the 49ers would go 12 and 4, right. 13 and 3 and, and then, then have travel to, go, to and Dallas. Then, and then have to go play the Eagles or the Cowboys on, on the road and they won 7 or 8 games. Right. So it, it it seems like a simple fix. They they should do it, but um but I wouldn't hold my breath on that. So uh, let's switch uh, gears here a little bit and, and talk some baseball. Uh early in the week news broke that uh Steven Strasburg had, had agreed to a um a record deal with with the Washington Nationals. What was a record until Garrett Sol- Cole signed his contract with the Yankees two days later. Um, seven years, two hundred forty five million dollars. Um, the Nationals claimed that they couldn't sign both Steven Strasburg and Anthony Rendon, which is a sketchy claim considering their owners are well, some of the richest owners in all of baseball. Yeah, I don't buy that. Of, of, of course, they can afford they can afford both guys. It's just. How badly do you want to win? How exactly. much? How much you want to spend to win? So right. there's no reason why they couldn't spend the money. But anyway, they were going to sign one of the guys. They chose Strasburg uh, to to, uh, to uh, he was their priority, and and they uh, um, got him signed. And then news broke uh, last night, uh, Wednesday Wednesday night, that Anthony Rendon had signed a contract of equal length and value with the uh, uh, Los Angeles Angels. So the Nationals lose Rendon, an important everyday all-star player, and they keep Strasburg, the world, yes, the World Series MVP, um, but he only pitches once every five days. So a couple of questions here. Did the Nationals pick the right guy to go to sign, and are pitchers worth this kind of money? That, yeah. Because Garrett Cole signed for right. 320-something million dollars, nine years. So... I I don't I don't like what they did. I I'm not a I, Strasburg was fantastic. He lived up to his, you know the billing that began so long ago when he was the number 1 pick and he led them to the World Series. But man, it's been a crazy ride for him. Like he's had lots of injuries, he's had sort of up and down years. Uh he finally put it together and I just I don't agree. I mean, thanks pat him on the back and say thanks, but like I I, you know, if you're only going to sign one of them, I want that everyday player, and I don't want a guy that's had, you know, a sketchy injury past. And this um, is, I don't know how old he is now. What is he? Thirty? He's probably in his early thirties. Thirty yeah. at least. Thirty-one right. maybe. Right. As opposed to Rendon, who's a little bit younger. Again, who plays every day and is a rock, a rock at third base, and is a rock in your lineup. And I don't know, I can't speak for what kind of leaders both of those guys are, but I, I have a feeling that Rendon is probably a little bit more of a clubhouse presence than Strasburg, who's kind of a quiet dude. And well, just sort Ren, of a, Rendon, neither one of them seek the spotlight. Right. They're, they're both quiet and soft. Right, you've guys. been in the you've yeah. been in the clubhouse enough right. to, to speak to that. Right. Rendon hates talking about right. himself, so, he, so he'll answer, he'll dutifully answer all your questions but but he won't he's not very insightful yeah neither neither one of them are, are great interviews right they're they're both fine but but neither one are great interviews because they don't talk a lot about themselves and, and and they're not very forthcoming in terms of insights and stuff yeah. like that so i just i mean if you look at their rotation they have a couple of guys that are already really very good um they'd have to they'd have to replace strasburg there and that's not an easy thing to do but 
you already, like I said, you have the, a shell of a really good rotation already without him. So you hope that maybe you can find somebody else a little cheaper that could come in and do a, you know, a decent job, or maybe you have somebody in the farm system that can come up and do it. But uh, yeah, I, I would have picked Rendon. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I picked the position player over the, over the pitcher. I mean, if a position player has two bad games, like he could still give you maybe three or four good games in, in, in a given week. If Strasburg has two bad starts in a row, it's three weeks have passed before you've gotten a good start from yeah, Steven that's two Strasburg. Losses, right. right, yeah, exactly. So so I always take the everyday player in, in that situation too, especially if I'm, if I'm going to spend that sort of money. Um, Absolutely. And the other question is, if you, if you do the math, like both Cole and Strasburg are going to be paid. They, they both started 33 games last year. They're making thirty upwards of $35, like $40 million, million a season. So it's a million dollars a start. Are, 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 are pitchers worth a million dollars to start? Uh, um, I mean, there's a reason why pitchers weren't making the, the kind of money that Machado made, that Harper made, that Stanton made. And that's because they, I mean, they don't play every day. Well, I'm just, so. I'll just say they are because that's what, that's what they're being paid. Right. So that, that's yeah, I mean, the you are, now. you are what you were, you are, you are right. what you can get or you're worth what you can get. But, um, but it's like, man, a million dollars to start. If that guy has a bad outing, that's, that's, yeah, you know, it's like a million dollars down the drain. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm with you. I, I, um, I, I'd go with uh, Rendon. Is just, I think he's. I mean, I don't think he's like a generational talent. He's not like I think Soto is. I think Soto is going to be like maybe could potentially be one of the all time greats. And they'll have to pay him eventually too. But again, they can the, the national right. the, the 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 Lerner family is is one, maybe the richest of all the baseball owners. Yeah. So so the idea that they can't afford more than one of these guys is is false <laughs> yeah i mean there just aren't that many there just aren't that many guys that um that are as good all-around players as rendon is and um yeah he's, he's right behind nolan arenado the rockies like he's he's right there yeah yeah right there uh josh donaldson of the, of the braves who's who sounds a free, like a free agent who sounds might, like they're who, going after him who's yeah. a slightly cheaper uh alternative the nationals might pursue him but there'll be competition for him for sure so there's no guarantee that they'll get him so they might have a giant hole at third base from a championship team yeah so um uh, do we have some people to throw on the boat uh, this week? Do you have any good subjects? Yeah, and it's uh, it's in the baseball vein, so um, we'll go there. Uh, it, it happened last week, I think, that the Orioles traded Dylan Bundy. Right. And um, oh, I, I know where you're going. With that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like there, there was like this sort of like an almost like an outpouring from some fans, even from the Orioles, who like sent a bit, put a video together to thank him. And then I, I just saw, you know, I, I'm on social media a decent amount, and I just saw there's lots of reactions. People were upset that they traded Dylan Bundy, and I, I don't understand that. So I'm just, anybody who complained about that trade should go on the boat because as an Orioles fan, this is this is where we are. What, like, what, did, what did Dylan Bundy? Right. What number one. Yeah. Number one. What did Dylan Bundy ever do for the Orioles aside from? Really, not kind of live up to his the hype right. that he came in with. He he won some games. Yeah, he won he won some games as a very average starter, um, yeah. and you know took a little longer to get to where he was supposed to be in the big leagues because he had you know he tore his, his elbow up. Um, I'm sorry, I I just I'm not I was not a fan of his af- uh, especially after the last the last few years. Initially, when he first came up, I thought he, they could have something um, with him, but. Just 
No, I I was happy that they got would they get four prospects for him or something. I don't right. know. And you wonder how good those guys are. Who knows? I don't care. They got rid of him. Uh, and my point is, as Orioles fans, this is this is where we are. Like this season is going to be a total another total waste. People like get ready for it. There's no reason to go down to the stadium. There's really going to be no reason to pay attention to them aside from reading some box scores and game stories occasionally. Uh, so just deal with it. Like Dylan Bunny was nothing special, and I'm frankly glad that they finally traded him and got yeah, something for him. The, 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 I found the statement from the Orioles, the, the thank you from the Orioles, be unusual because yeah. like, like he never did anything that. To what work, are you thanking him for? Right, to mer- he never did anything to merit the the thank you. Uh, yeah, I mean, other than being, I guess, a good teammate, he, he did his job. But I mean, he, he f- fulfilled the baseline expectation of his job, so that doesn't warrant a special thanks from the the, the organization. Precisely. Anyway. So, uh, I'm th- I'm throwing the the pa- the Patriots uh, on the bus for this ridiculous uh, documentary fiasco. I mean, we we talked about it. we don't have to go over it again. But yeah. but the but the idea there was yeah. no malice no no ill intent involved <laughs> no premeditation right, whatsoever right like just, just the camera just oh, so oh. Just, just so happened so to be sorry. trained on the field a little longer than it should or whatever i mean is is that in, in the, the idea that bill belichick didn't know this was going on i mean i'm it's just it's just given that given their past and given their history the, um it's, it's sort of it's sort of hard hard to yeah. buy did you have did you have a bad look this week you know what? I, I didn't. I, 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 okay. I needed to think. Do you, do you have a good look? I did, uh, and it's tied to my team. Um, and, I, and I've mentioned this guy before. Daniil Hunter, who is a defensive end for the Vikings, accomplished something historic on Sunday. Okay. He had three sacks against the Lions. Daniil Hunter is 25 years old. He's the youngest guy in NFL history to have 50 sacks. Wow. Yeah. And guess what? Most people don't know who the hell he is and couldn't pick him out of a lineup, but he's damn good. Right. And like I, he just doesn't get check out his arms. Yeah, you know? he doesn't get much attention, but um, that was a cool accomplishment, and it's my good look because he's uh, he doesn't get much much pub. So. I mean, the the boat and the bad look can sort of overlap. The, like Bill Belichick yeah. could get my bad look of the week. Like all, like it it all, it all sort of sure. uh, ties together. So um, seen or to be seen? Yeah, uh, I went to a movie. Actually, went to a matinee. When's the last time you went to a matinee? Oh, it's been a while. Um, You're not a big movie, movie right, guy, right? But. To begin with, but um, occasionally, occasionally, I'm with friends or something, we'll go to a daytime movie. Or yeah, whatever. I couldn't believe it. it was like I think it was seven dollars. It was on Tuesday. It was, which wasn't heinous. I mean, normally going to the movies is ridiculously yeah, it's like a twenty dollar ticket or whatever, close to. I don't know. So uh, I saw some. I, I had some time off. I had three days off because I took an extra day, and um, I, I went to the movies with my parents and saw the. Uh, the Mr. Rogers movie with yeah. Tom Hanks. How was it? And it was, I and right before I had gone, I read, I read the article that the the movie was based off of. It was a Esquire feature uh, profile that they did on Mr. Rogers in 1998. Um, a, a guy named Tom, I'm I'm gonna get his name, last name wrong. I think it's Judon, uh, wrote it, and it is. Man, like I, I'll say, I, I'll say I enjoyed the movie. Tom Hanks is Tom Hanks. He's great in everything. Uh, there were a couple of lip quivering moments in the movie, as you would expect because of the, of the subject matter. If you know anything about it, but do yourself a favor if you are interested in this subject matter at all, and go read that article first because it's like they borrow from 
obviously it's based on um, actual events or based on a true story or something like that. The movie is, and they they borrow a lot of anecdotes from the story that Tom Judon wrote, and they sort of weave them into the movie in a different way. And you'll know what I mean if you if you read this article and then watch the movie, you'll know what I mean. But um, doesn't it doesn't detract from the movie. It was still really good. Um, did you watch? I mean, you weren't a big TV watcher. I, you didn't have cable. Yeah, I up. did watch Mr. Rogers as a kid. You yeah. Did? Okay. Yeah. So um, I, I can't remember like maybe what, how old I was when I stopped. Like obviously I was still right. I was very young. I was probably like five or six when I was watching him. But you knew like Mr. McFeely. Of course. And, and, yeah. And, and I mean all, all all the main characters. This was back. Right? Yeah, yeah. This was back when I was. This was we're talking like 1983 when I'm like five years old. We had the, the traditional, just a TV set with rabbit ear antennas, and I could, we could get five channels. Yeah, and one P- of them was MPT, P- right? PBS, right? Yeah, yeah, public television or whatever. And that's what that's where I, you know, I, I was introduced to Mr. Rogers. So I knew, I, I obviously knew who he was, and I knew all the characters and uh, and all of that stuff. the The article will will get you. It, it really will get you. There's a there's there are a ton I, of moments. I, I, I started reading it, but I haven't gotten all the way through. Yeah, it yet. and you'll and as a writer. Um, I was messaging back and forth. Um, S- Steve Bonell, who writes here in the news department, yeah. actually sent me a link to it. And he and I and Alan Etzler were s- sort of just uh, emailing back and forth about what we liked about the article. And uh, there's just a ton of lessons in it as a writer that you could take away from it. Very, very simplistic prose. Like he doesn't throw around like crazy big words or like, big metaphors or you know what i mean yeah, like but it's he's not got, complicated he's, he's got great detail it's there, not yeah. complicated and he even does things in the in the writing of it that mr Ro- like mr rogers would have done he'll say like um s- somebody what was the word that he used like he used a pretty big word honorific i think was the word okay and he said honorific and he said it was a it was somebody Somebody complimented Mr. Rogers or something, and it it was a great honorific. And then he's like, "An honorific, an honorific is." And he explained it, you know, in the next sentence, like almost like Mr. Rogers would do on his show, like when right. he came up with a, you know, if he if he came up with an idea and wanted to explain it to the kids. Um, so he did that like more than once in the story with like words. Like I think another one was architect. An architect is someone who, right, you know designs plans for a building or whatever it is so the show was just weirdly captivating because there would be yeah. like there would be like I'm not, I'm not like minimalizing mr rogers or the impact he had yeah. on kids but he'd be like okay i think i'm going to feed the fish yeah and he'd like sprinkle fish food and they and that would be like 30 aquarium. seconds of the show right and that was it there'd yeah. be like some piano that would twinkle as he's feed, as he's <laughs> putting the You're fish right. food in the aquarium and that, that it's was, for that, little kids that, that'd be it, it would be like a minute would go yeah. by and all, all the guys done is feed the fish but it was like weirdly captivating so there's a couple so. of things about the takeaway from the article and the movie um and they are that when you have kids or when you're dealing with kids always remember when you were a kid and try right. to um, use that in your interaction with the kid. Um, and another one is just to always, uh, just always be yourself. Really, and it's very simple. Like that, and that's how that's how simple he was. That's right. that's who he was. That's, and it wasn't it wasn't an act. Wasn't an act. It, 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 that's who he was. Like right. I, I think you uh, brought up. You, you we were talking about this last night because you mentioned you went to see the movie. And uh, the the guy, the writer Judon, went to Fred went to Fred Rogers and said, 
hey, I know this is the guy you play on TV. And Mr. Rogers really didn't understand what he was talking yeah. about because he wasn't playing a character. Yeah, he, he's, he, he was true to himself exactly. the whole time. He's like, well, no, you have, uh, you know, obviously there's Mr. Rogers who you play and then you're Fred. And, you know, how do those two people differ? And he's like, what, what do you mean? He's, he's right. like, I'm just, that's who I am. And that's absolutely the truth. Um, so anyway, I enjoyed I enjoyed the the movie. I, I liked the article even better. Um, and it, it'll you know, like I said, it'll, there's moments that'll get you in both of them. Mention, mention the Chuck Foreman thing uh, too. Oh yeah, I I uh, I saw something else on on Twitter. Our uh, our own uh, legendary uh, Chuck Foreman, who used to play for the Minnesota Vikings, was a Frederick High School grad. Frederick yeah. High grad um, was a running back in the NFL for eight years. He something came over. I saw it on Twitter. Uh, I didn't know this trivia about Chuck. So everybody knows the story about when John Lennon was murdered, right? It, it, Monday Night Football was on. And how, Howard Cosell delivered that news to the nation um, right right as soon as it was known. Right. And so I saw a clip. Uh, Chuck Foreman took the carry. He played for the Patriots at the time. It was his very last season, uh, 1980, 81. I can't remember which one it was. And he took the carry on television up the middle for three yards or something. And then Howard Cosell delivered the news. Mock David Chapman. Or, yeah. Yeah. Or whoever. What, I, can't remember, uh, I can't remember. Lennon, yeah. Yeah. So. But, so that was kind of an interesting piece of trivia. I did not know that about Chuck Foreman. He probably doesn't even know that about himself. Right. How is, how's this better, this veterans committee? Oh, so. Uh, how, how's this hall of fame candidacy yeah. going? I sent out, actually, it's funny you said that. I, I sent out a bunch of emails. I sent emails, uh, a, a bunch of emails out today to people who I believe are going to be on this blue ribbon um, panel that's going to be deciding the expanded Hall of Fame class for 2020. I think it's going to be a class of, I think it's going to be a class of 20, uh, which is much larger than than uh, than typical. And a bunch of those I think are going to be senior candidates like Chuck would be. Um, so I was trying to get a bunch of information about Chuck in front of the right people. Uh, and I sent it. I sent an email with lots of tidbits and links to stories that we've done, and the the justification document. If you remember, I wrote a big story about these people that came put together this huge document about how, you know why Chuck Foreman belongs in the Hall of Fame. I attached that PDF to the email. I sent it to Peter King. I got his email address. I sent it to, um, geez, who else? Uh, Sh- Sh- Shereen Williams, I think her name is. Shereen Williams. Yeah, yeah. she were, She used to write. Cover the Cowboys. Yeah. and now she works for Pro Football Talk. Yes, I she got yeah. back. She actually got back to me and thanked me for sending that. And she also informed me that they actually had already sent the list. They already had voted on those candidates to decide who would be on the list. Okay, so the the the, the candidates haven't been dis- determined yet. But I think the voters that are on this panel, you know, sent their lists in, and then the votes will be tallied and then they'll come back out with like this list of almost semi-finalists or something like right. that. So she said that we already turned our lists in and you, you should find out there's going to be a meeting on like January 7th or something. She said, you should find out soon if Chuck's name makes that list. Okay. So we may find out soon. I would think that I would hope that his name would be, he, he'd make like the semi-finalist list at least. Um, but from what I understand, I talked to, um, Scott Garceau, who has the vote for Baltimore, um, the Hall of Fame vote. Oh, I was wondering why you were trying to yeah. get a hold of him. So I got in touch with Scott Garceau because I was trying to find out who's going to be on this panel that's going to be making these decisions. And um, Scott told me, he's like, look, I'm not on the panel. He's like, I still have my vote. 
I'm not on this blue ribbon, this special panel. But from what I understand, he said, they're looking at they, – they want to honor players from uh, the really uh, old eras that people probably don't know very much about that have been, like, completely overlooked for, right. like, 70 years or whatever, you know, sort of like a really long time. So he th- that's what he said. So maybe Chuck doesn't have as great of a chance as I thought because they may be um, filling a lots of those spots with people from – you know, much older eras. Right. Well, well, Who I knows? mean, eventually, eventually he might, he might yeah. be, be considered or, or let's hope so um, because his career, if you look at it, I mean, it's, it's hall of fame worthy. Yeah. So. He, yeah. He certainly, I mean, we could do a whole podcast about that and we really should, if maybe we should, uh, we should have him on. We should be, be because, uh, because he, he doesn't do this stuff himself. Like he won't advocate right. for himself and, and, right. and he and, actually just said, I sent him the email and he literally, while we're sitting here, texted me. He said, "Hey, send me that email again. I lost it because yeah. I forwarded him the email." That yeah, I was we we, we out. should definitely have him on, and, and, and maybe uh, when the playoffs start or something, yeah. we'll, we'll hope we, we, we he could call in. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, he, we'll have he very we'll well might. On, yeah, so that would be good. Yep. Uh, my senior to be seen. There was a, there was a tweet that uh, I think you or Alan pointed out to me. It was from Clay Travis, who I believe works for Fox Sports, but it was it was a Forbes tweet of of the highest paid oh, yeah. uh, athletes, and it was just uh, since. It was like a time-lapse chart, right? Yeah, since like the early 90s. And you saw names, Michael Jordan, Mike Tyson, uh, Floyd Mayweather going up, Tiger Woods going up and down the list. Roger Federer. Right. Michael Schumacher. Right. Well, that was amazing. Like there there were some some weird names at the top of the list, Schumacher being being the uh, chief among them. But it was just cool to see the time-lapse of the world's highest-paid athletes. And, and so, sort of how yeah. the names rise and rise and fell. Like Floyd Mayweather would skyrocket to the top of the list and then he'd fall off it. And I, th- I think that's largely because his big paydays are so few and far between that if he has a one or two fights that pay him a lot in a given year, then he's going to be at the top of the list. Where if he doesn't, he'll he won't be on the list. So, but exactly. uh, but but it was just a cool thing to see. So check it out, Clay Travis. Uh, it's it's a tweet. The Forbes highest paid athletes and it. it it's sort of interesting to, remember, to, to watch that. Remember what year it begins? Uh, I, I have it. I want to say I want to say 1990. Yeah, it probably was because I think I want to say see. Jordan was uh, was high on the list like immediately. Right. Um, but it is it's pretty cool to watch because it is a time lapse thing. 1990 to 2019. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. Yeah. And Jordan stays on the list, um, but he's high on the list for a m- remarkably long period of time because long after his playing days ended. Uh, Mike Tyson uh, hung hung in yeah, there. Yeah, uh, even though he uh, went to jail, re- really high on the list uh, for a long time. It was like buying Bengal tigers at, uh, at his house. Yeah, and, yeah. Surprisingly, Mike Tyson was on that list for a long time, even after he got out of jail and was no longer as dominant. He was still commanding huge paydays, and <clears throat> he has no he has none of that money left. That money's all gone. Right. Well, he's tried to do a stand up comedian well i'm saying is like yeah, all that money he right, earned yeah. as a boxer oh yeah is yeah gone. he went from like the big swing was it was like an 800 million dollar swing from like yeah. he had 400 million dollars and then he was in the, in the hole <laughs> 400 million dollars like how do you lose 800 million dollars oh, but uh, well when you buy bengal tigers in your house that that's it's one it's one way to do it but um <laughs> But but the, the, the names are interesting. Some might surprise you, and, yeah. and others won't. But it's it's surprising on how long they they hang hang in there uh, near the top of the list. No, to, cor- so. uh, to to correct myself, it was 1980 that um, that Chuck played for the Patriots and John Lennon was shot. Okay, right. So 
Anyhow. All right. So we're back and uh, hope, hope to do another one, one or two of these before uh, the year is over. So thanks for listening. And uh, you've been listening to Just Another Sports Podcast.